servant of a sin or a servant of righteousness and we can be a servant of God or a servant of, of Satan. And if, and I, I was 32 years of age when I came into the church and I understand serving the devil and serving sin. And Exodus chapter five and verse 19 tells us, and the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case after it was said, ye shall not minish aught of your bricks, from your bricks of your daily task. And I understand living for the devil and living for sin, the daily task of doing that. And, and some people are worse into that than others. I, was, I definitely had gone to a depth Sin just takes you further and further, and uh, I understand that. I understand that there's some people that that um, didn't live such a sinful life. I understand that there are people that actually think they're they're really not too bad a person, and says so they don't think they it was a bad deal living in the world, living for living in sin, living for the devil is not a bad thing because they're, it wasn't so bad because they think they're not that bad of a person. And, and I understand the ranges there, but I understand where I came from. I know where, I know there's people here that were, I, in fact, I was just talking to my wife about Brother Mike. I don't know, it was so cold out and we seen a guy walking down 83 on the sidewalk and he was skipping, he had a light jacket on, no, Nothing, no, uh, no cap, no gloves. His shirt, his coat was open, and he was skipping. And Shelley goes, "He, well, I wonder what he's high on." And I, and I told the story that Brother Mike told me that he was out in, I don't remember what the temperature was, how cold it was, on meth, and he was no shirt on, and he was working on a vehicle, and he was there was steam coming off of his body, and. And I didn't, I, I'm just saying that there's depths that we can go to in sin and living to, uh, living for the devil. And, but change, really, God is all about change. Change is uncomfortable. Change, there's reasons we don't change. We, we're afraid of change. We're comfortable where we're at. We're lazy with, we're just, we're not too motivated to change. And, um, and it's all about change. This church is all about change. If we wouldn't believe in change, this church would not be here. And we understand that change, but we understand that change is hard. Change is hard in people. And, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing, nothing can keep us captive more than us believing a lie. To believe that we cannot change, that God cannot change us, is a lie. God cannot change the situation we're in. God can't change me. That's a lie. It doesn't matter. You know, I thought about it. I was, I was standing here and I thought about it. Christianity is the only thing that doesn't, it, it, uh, you can excel in Christianity without, without wealth, without, you, without having a high IQ, without having money, without having looks, without having talent. Christianity, in fact, Christianity, all of those, all of those are not needed in Christianity. And 
So we don't need any, we don't need to bring anything to the game. We don't need anything. Well, there is, there is some things that we do have to offer some things to God, but, but to say if we don't have to bring anything, to say that we can't, that God cannot change us is a lie and, and it holds us captive. And it, it'll, hold, it'll hold us anything. There's nothing more captivating than believing that God cannot change us and cannot change our situation. <clears throat> so large or little, it's God changes us in large ways. That happens, but by the most part, it is it is little. We we end up falling little by little. It, you know, in uh, Song of Solomon tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things that get us and and bring us down, take us downhill. It's a little bit at a at a time, and it's the same way with change. It's a little at a time. We change a little at a time. Most, and I would say, there are some times that we've changed. I've, I've had major, major changes in my life with receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost. I, I understand that there are some times, there are some encounters with God that will change you. You will walk away and you, you'll even say, I have said that before, I will not be the same after what happened. And I've had those experiences. <clears throat> So who makes the change? It's, of course, it is, it, is we ha it is both of us. It's God and man. We got, there is something that we got to do to change. But God will meet our efforts. So <clears throat> I'm going to, I'll start. So direction. I, you know what? We have a direction in our life. And, you know, all of this stuff has all been taught on. Everything I'm going to go over has had been taught on by either uh, Brother Paulson or Brother Fuentes in the last month or two months or whatever. I, I've had this thing, this study going for a, quite a long time now, maybe six months or something like that. But every one of these things have been touched on by them. And um, so what is, our, what is my goal? What do I want to become? How do I want to be used by God? You know, what's what's my dream in God? And I, and I suppose there's probably some people that don't even have a dream in God, right? There's uh, so, but there's there's a direction, a direction to a destination. If I'm trying to get someplace, I have to understand where I am now. I have to do. I have to say this is where I'm at. We what is it? If you look it up on uh, MapQuest, it gives you. It, it, it'll ask you whether you want to do it from your current location or if you want to, I suppose it's asking you if you want to go from address someplace from Fargo to Jamestown or something like that. But if it's asking you if you want your current location. And typically we are always looking for direction from our current location. So we have to understand where am I now? If I'm going to a destination, I need to know where I'm at. And you need to take inventory. We need to take inventory of our, what's, what's my strengths and my weaknesses? What do, I, what do I need to work on? How many talent person am I? Am I a one, two, five talent person? Do I need to, do I need to increase my, some talents in my life? And of course that's talking about money, but it can be applied to actually talents. Um, 
One, one thing that stops us from taking inventory or knowing ourselves is that we're reluctant to discover anything about ourselves that is less than flattering. If it's not flattering, I really don't want to know about it. In fact, it, sometimes I kind of, when I think about myself, I kind of cringe a little bit. Does anybody ever do that? Kind of, ugh. did I really, am I really like that? Did I really say that? Did I really do that? Did I, you just kind of cringe about yourself, right? And you don't really want to, you don't really want, and, and I don't really want to go there. And there are things, there are places I don't want to go. <laughs> uh, I just had one of those. I had, um, on Monday night, I had my wife made fr fried oysters, and I got sick on Monday night. <clears throat> and I was sick, and all I could think of is slimy fried oysters. And it was someplace I could not go. She would, the next day she mentioned the name of it, and I would, don't, do not do that. I'm trying to forget about it. So if we're, it's that way with us, right? We just, it's just better not to go there. We don't want to go there. <clears throat> what is our, what is our motives? What's the intent of our, and of course the word of God gives us of our, our intent what is it to be seen of men, to be seen of the pastor, to be prove someone wrong, to prove ourselves right? You know, we can accomplish, we can conquer, we can fix things, right? We're, we think we're good at that. Do we do it because we have to? We we, we, we're required by God or the pastor? What's our intent? First, uh, John chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. This took, me, this took me a lot of years of my life to figure out. <clears throat> For this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, art thou Elias? And he, he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, and he answered, no. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What saith thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As, say, as, as said the prophet Isaiah. So this took me years and years to understand this. And I'm not talking about this scripture. I'm, understand, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that he was asked, who art thou? And, it, and John knew who he was and who he was not. And it took me years to figure this out. And... Um, I always had a problem with who I was. Even when I got into the church, I came into the church and I looked and I seen, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. And coming up here and standing was out of the question. I, and, and teaching, I just wouldn't, I, I refused to do it. And I looked at the extroverts, I looked at people with boldness, I looked at people all the other people, and that's who I wanted to be like. And God, why am I like this? 
Why am I so introverted that I don't want to be with, you know, with people? I'm, I'm uncomfortable around people. And it took me years to figure this out. And um, I'm not, I'm not Brother Wendelin. I'm not Brother Wendelin. I'm not Brother Gabe. I'm not Brother Doug. I'm Pete McGelkey. That's who I am. And God made me. I understand finally years, it took me years to figure this out, that God made me just the way, he's, he's the one that made me. So am I, what do I think, God made me wrong? So I, I realized it, it, it took me years of, of a process to go through this. And finally, I read a book, it's called Quiet by Susan Cain. And, it, and I read that book and it really opened my eyes to who I was. And I realized that even though I looked and I, I wanted to be like Brother Wendelin, I realized I have stuff that Brother Wendelin doesn't have. And he's probably looking at me and he's going, boy, I wish I could be like Brother Pete, right? <laughs> That's the way it goes. It goes, you go, you go, you, okay, but, but and, and Brother Paulson, he touched on this on, on Wednesday. He said about it, about an inter, you know, those, those things that, we, that society and we as people think the person that is the life of the party, the person that's the extrovert, those are the ones that are the desired. But I understood that I have something, after reading that book and getting, seeing the characteristics of somebody that is an extrovert and an intro, introvert, I realized that I have something that an extrovert doesn't have. And I realized I used that to my advantage and I, that's a whole different subject, so I won't even go with all that. But, and um, it, just, it took me years to understand that. I am not, I am Pete McGelkey. I know, now I know who I am and who I am not. And we have to understand that when we're trying to change, we're, of course, we can look at, we can look at something and we can expire to be better. Uh, you see somebody that's a better Christian, you can, you can, you can try to get, you can get better, you know, but we, we can't be somebody we're not. We can't do that. Brother Joel is not going to be Brother Wendelin. That's just, it just will not happen. I will not be Brother Wendelin. I will not have that extroverted spirit, that boldness to just go to people and to talk to people. And to, but there is an advantage I have with that. And I won't... But the Bible tells us this way, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 18, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. <coughs> so in other words, he's saying Christ's body is the same way. There's, there's one body and there's many members. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Behold, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is there therefore not of it is is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear 
shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where, was, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But, <clears throat> but now has God set the members, every one of them in the body as he has pleased him. So we understand the, that the, we all have certain parts. <clears throat> the, the, the thumb is not the little finger, right? And the, the Bible tells us that. We're each individual members, individual members. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that, that Eve was ap, a, actually tempted to be somebody she wasn't, right? It says, for God hath, does know that in the day ye eat thereof, when ye see, <coughs> uh, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good for evil, good and evil. So here, the devil tempted, you're going to be as gods. You're going to be something you're not. And we should not try to be something we're not. Of course, we want to change. We want to change, but the stipulation is there are some limitations of, uh, I hate to say that, God can change us, right? He can do anything. <clears throat> but he is going to save, he is going to work with us. God will work with us. <clears throat> so, let's see here. I'm going to change. <clears throat> so, one thing about life, life is so, so life, right? It's just, it's just life. You know, Job in Job, it says, now there was a day. Job, it, it says it a couple of times in Job, now there was a day. There was a day. And what, <clears throat> what we find out is that, that what, Job, what uh, uh, Job was saying there, the writer of Job, maybe Moses, and uh, what was going on there was like, this day is a little different than mo most days. Saying, and, and we understand the book of Job where well, everything that happened, it's like, well, this one, this day is quite a bit different than most days. But the reality is Job lived a lot of days that were just the same, right? They were just days. Does anybody ever just live days? Just the same thing? Same routine? getting up it's just life it's day after day and that's the way life is life can be that way is it's just day after day it's it's not there was a day there was a day this hey this one's going to be different and i've had those days right those days that you know you look back and they they uh they changed you forever it's like man this day was quite a day and and uh, we can all talk about this, those days. There was, a, there was a man that died in 2011. He was 96 years of age. He was, his name was Jack Lalane. And he was considered the father of the fitness movement. He was, he was a sickly kid. <clears throat> he didn't, uh, he said, it, it, it says that he was a, a sugar, he was hooked, he was... He ate sugar all the time, and he was, he was just sickly and didn't exercise. And, and he actually calls the day he ended up listening to a guy about nutrition and exercise 
back then as uh, a day of salvation. He was born again. That's the way he phrases it. And um, so I have some quotes from him. He says, the first thing I did when I was 40 years old, I put handcuffs on. I jumped off the Alcatraz, off Alcatraz prison and swam to San Francisco handcuffed. That made natural publicity. Then there were three or four years where I would do more difficult feats. Another birthday, I towed a thousand pound boat across the, across the Golden Gate on my 65th birthday. I towed 65 boats a mile and a half in Tokyo. On my 70th birthday, I, to I towed 70 boats with 70 people in it with my feet and hands tied a mile and a half in Long Beach. The crusade, that's one quote, another quote, the crusade is never off my mind. The exercise I do, the food I eat, the thoughts I think, all this and now I can help, and how I can make, help make my profession better respected. To me, this one thing, physical culture and nutrition is the salvation of America. Billy Graham is for the hereafter. I am for the here and now. My, my top priority in life is my workout. Regardless of what happens, I hit the gym. Even when I was in the hospital twice with serious knee operations, right after I, <clears throat> I came out of anesthesia, there was a chin bar over my head and dumbbells. I worked out immediately. Physical fitness takes commitment to exercise just as it requires good nutrition, but it doesn't have to be painful. Just the opposite. Vigorous exercise actually is stimulating. It boosts your, your energy levels, invigorates your mind. It gets good. It, it, it it's just feels good afterwards. The hardest part, of course, is getting started. And then he says this. He says, this is Jack LaLanne that is considered the father of the fitness movement. He says, I'd rather take a beating sometimes than get in the gym every morning. Anyone who gets up that early and says he likes it is a liar. The only thing about it is that when I'm finished, I look at myself in the mirror and say, Jack, you've done it again. So this is with exercise. I'm talking about exercise. So do you think it would be easier for prayer? Think it would be easier for reading God's word? Of course it's not. In fact, we got, we got, we got uh, our flesh fighting us. We got the enemy fighting us. So if we're going to have a tough time with it, if, the, if Jack LaLanne is going to have a tough time with it, we are certainly going to have a tough time with spiritual disciplines, right? It's going to happen. <clears throat> you know, the greatest battle, there's a battle, there's a battle that happens on this earth that is, it is the bloodiest battle. And the, the Bible is littered full of this battle. It starts in uh, Genesis chapter 3 with the story of the downfall of mankind. And all mankind has fought this battle. And it is an ugly battle. It is, it is a terrible battle. It is bloody. It's, uh, it's not a pretty sight. I have fought this battle and fought this battle 
It's not, it is not a good battle. And uh, Jesus fought it. Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But this really, you know, he fought, he fought the devil. It really wasn't much of a battle. Our, our battle isn't the battle with the devil. In fact, Jesus, when he fought that same battle, he went to a garden. The battle was in the garden. And he said these words, he said, what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. And our great battle, and the battle on this earth is the battle between our will and God's will. That's what the battle is. And we, we fight this battle. I fight this battle. I fought this battle big time at, at times in my life. And it's an ugly battle. I've fought, I, there's been times <clears throat> that I fought it that I would actually be arguing with God when I fought this battle. My will against his will. And we have to give, if, <clears throat> well, I'll just, I'll just continue on. I'm laying groundwork here. And there was, a, there was a coach, a football coach named Paul Bear Bryant, and he said this. He said, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. He said, it's the will to prepare to win that matters. It's the will to prepare to win. See, I think it was Brother Gabe touched on this. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. This verse tells us most people or our, our human nature has a twisted view of our faithfulness. The Bible tells the truth about us. It's hard to find a faithful person. That's what it says. It says, it says but a faithful man who can find. Who can find? It? They're, they're in short demand. They're just, they're just rare. The Bible tells us that. And we, we have this skewed viewpoint of us is that it's I'm the faithful one, but brother so-and-so is not the faithful one. I'm the faithful one, but so and so. I, you know, everybody's got this skewed viewpoint of their faithfulness. But the Bible tells us that we're not very faithful. <clears throat> John Hagee has a book that's called The Seven Secrets. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up here. Faithfulness begins in small things. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So it starts with little things, being faithful in little things, and it grows to bigger things. John Hagee in his book, The Seven Secrets, he asks a series of questions to help us define what is faithfulness. He says, if your car started one out of three times, would you consider it faithful? 
if your car starts one out of three times, if the paper boy, of course, this is dated. This is, uh, I remember in this, how old this book is. The, in the paper, if the paper boy skipped Mondays and Thursdays, would he be considered faithful? If you don't, if you don't show up at work two or three times a month, would your boss call you faithful? If your refrigerator quit a day now and then, would you excuse it and say, oh, well, it works most of the time? If your water heater greeted you with, a, with cold water one or two mornings a week while you were in the shower, would it be faithful? Has anybody ever had one of those? I had one of those. If your refrigerator quit a day now and then, would you Oh, wait a minute. If, if you missed a couple of mortgage payments in a year, year's time, would, you, more, would your mortgage holders say, oh, well, 10 out of 12 isn't bad. So how do we define faithfulness? How do we define faithfulness? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So this, this verse here, it's, um, it's relating the minister, uh, somebody that preaches the word of God, a minister uh, to a steward is what there's a relationship in but but it really the application is for everybody the application is for Christians being uh, related to a steward <clears throat> and in this you know and actually a steward back then was somebody that was in charge of somebody's household some of their their material he is in charge of the material goods of somebody that yeah, he just watched over all that and it and um, the, when a person picks someone to be a steward of all his material possessions, he would look for someone to be good with money. Probably would want somebody like Brother Rochester that would be an accountant, right? That could watch over the money really well, and um, and you'd want somebody to be really organized. I suppose Brother Rochie's probably really organized too, and so. And maybe have some business abilities. There's businessmen in here. That'd be a really good way. That that pick a steward. That'd be the things. That's really what you'd probably look for, right? But the Bible tells us that none of these qualifies. These qual. None of these these qualities are mentioned. The only thing that's mentioned is that they be faithful. They be faithful. So and and really the thought that my thought from that came from this scripture about what I talked about earlier about Christianity. Christianity isn't about what we bring to the table, our, our qualities, our abilities. Christianity isn't that way. The, what we bring to the table, what we need to bring to the table is faithfulness. We don't need the abilities. We don't need those. And of course, we, God can work on that stuff. We can, we can improve our our abilities, we can do that as we grow in, in God. But when we come to God, all, we, all he wants us is to be faithful. Just be faithful. Faithfulness is a fundamental part of Christian living. It's fundamental. 
It's absolutely fundamental is, is faithfulness. And faithfulness is consistency, dependability, trustworthiness, and reliability are some of the words that are used. So I ask myself, am I consistent? Am I dependable? Am I trustworthy? Am I reliable? In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, one of the goals of every Christian would be to hear this being said. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful uh, servant. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. It's consistent dependability, worth a trust, trustworthiness and reliability. Those are the fundamentals of Christianity. Those are fundamental. <clears throat> you know, I had years ago, I went to a, when I was in high school, I went to a family friend that was a dentist. Uh, he was a dentist and I went to the, his, his practice and he had on his, his, in his practice, he had a poster sitting on the wall and he's had that poster there for 30, like 30 years. And uh, that poster said, all I, all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. It was by Robert Fulgram. And it says, most of what I really need to know about and how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sandbox at, a nurse, at nursery school. So what he was saying is that, he was saying that what you learn, and he goes through a list here, I won't read it, but this poster was sitting on there. It was framed, and it was on the wall, and the last time I was there, it was still there. And, and he sold the, he's sold the, well, I guess I, the, he, he has since sold the practice, so I don't know if it's still there. They probably took it down, would be my guess. But it has been there for 30 years, and it basically is saying that, hey, it's what you learned in kindergarten is, is the basics of life. And so I started, I thought, I, I seen that, and I read, I'm sitting there, and I started thinking about that. So I went downstairs, this, this was years ago, I went down to the basement, and I pulled out the kindergarten, uh, there was a, a tote down there with teacher's manuals, and I pulled those out, and I and I actually took them home and I started looking through them. I wrote down all the basics of Christianity. And what, what I thought was basics. This is the basics. And I wrote them down and I found every one of those basics in the, in the kindergarten teacher's manual that we teach here to kindergarten kids. And so I thought, you know, that's, that's just the way it is, isn't it? Is it's just simple. These are the basics. We teach them at a young age. We teach the basics to, to our kids at young age. And, and we kind of complicate things, right? We complicate things. We, we, get, we, we, think it, we just make it more complicated than it has to be, that it should be. And of course, there are some deeper things of God. <clears throat> we understand that. But this book was extremely successful. 
It was the, when I did this lesson, I don't know how many years ago, it was, the, it was number 17 on the all-time New York Times bestseller list. It was number 17. And it, it was successful about, and of course, it, I bought the book and I read the book and it was all a bunch of short, short stories. And this was just one of it. You know, it was the, it was the best short story in the book. And, but the reality is, is people, people understand and, and people want things simple, right? You know, Apple has made a has made a fortune on simplicity. They they Apple's Apple is their drive is simple. They just keep everything simple. That's what everything is based on simplicity. And we need we um, in Acts chapter two and verse forty eight says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And Brother uh, Therese, his commentary on this verse says, on singleness, he says, he says this about singleness. Of course, singleness just means like one. So it's extremely simple, just one. There's how many options you have? You have one option. Well, that's pretty simple, right? It's just, that's the concept of the word uh, singleness. And he said this, he said, Sim simplicity the characteristics of, sim of Christianity is simplicity. Anyone is able to practice Christianity. And, and I went through all those things, those, those basics of Christianity, and I, I, there, were, there were kids that were able to, I had examples of kids able to practice those things. There was only one thing that wasn't, was not in there, and that was fasting. That was not that was not taught back then. I don't know if it is now. At a kindergarten, I would doubt it, but at a kindergarten level in the church here. So the key, the key to success is faith, faithfulness to the basics. Just being faithful to the basics. And I'm going to go through this this series I'm going to go through this series and there are some things the Bible the Bible talks about I read in Acts chapter 2 and 40, 46 it said they continued daily daily I'm going to go through there's some things that and I don't know how many lessons this is going to be I haven't figured this out all out yet I might combine some but there's some things that the Bible tells us that we should do daily and remember, the key to success is being faithful to the basics. Daily, there's some things that we should do always, and the Bible talks about that. <clears throat> and I'm going to go through some of those, and maybe another, maybe five, six lessons or something else. I don't know what, how this, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm going to probably combine some of them. But the key, the key to success is faithfulness. To the basics, and again, he he asked the questions. This this John Hagee asked these questions. If your car started one out of three times, would you consider it faithful? We wouldn't consider it faithful, right? We wouldn't consider that water heater heater. I mean, I had to fix that because I wouldn't. I didn't know. You know, if I had time with my water heater that I could restart it. It wasn't a problem, but the, I hated those days that I didn't have time to restart it. 
I just had to take a shower. And then I had to restart it, and my wife got a hot shower. If, if, um, <clears throat> if she would have got a cold shower, I probably would have fixed it sooner than <laughs> would be my guess. So we got to be faithful. You know, I, I, the key to success is faithfulness to the basics. It's everyday Christian living. And I will not, I will not possess what I will not pursue. If I don't pursue it, I'm not going to possess it. I won't, it's not going to happen. And you won't either. If I want it, I got I to gotta pursue it. And those things that we got to pursue are the basics. We start with the basics. And sometimes, I like, I've said this from this pulpit, there are times I get overwhelmed with the Bible. I've heard Brother Chuppy say it from this pulpit. There are times when I, I start reading, reading the Bible and I say, oh my, oh my, this is not, this is not good. I mean, I, because I just read, there are times where it's like a machine gun. Have you ever have you ever had that where you read there might be there in Thessalonians where it says pray without ceasing and there's oh, how many verses of that and you go ow 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 you know they're just they he just is like a machine gun telling you to do this oh my prayer life oh you know I'm trying to think of some of the other scriptures in 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 Thessalonians where he rattles that off what is it 17 5 17 or whatever where he goes through and there's a list and you just go ow 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 and you know, I've been there. I've been there where I'm overwhelmed with like, but the reality, if we would just stick with the basics and get the basics down, and uh, I think actually, I think next week I have to teach again. So next week, I'm going to start on the, the most important, the most important, the most important spiritual discipline that we could do in our life, prayer. That's what I'm going to start with. <clears throat> and it's, a, it's, it's easy to teach. It's easy to talk about. It's easy to read books about. But the key is to just do it. Just do the basics. Let's stand. <clears throat> Let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. Thank you for your great people. We pray, Lord, that you touch each and every one of us that you'd have your way in our life, that you'd help us, Lord, to master the basics. We pray that you'd touch each and every one of us in this second service, that you put your anointing on Pastor Paulson as he preaches the word to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.